Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by my favorite college in America, Hillsdale College, which proudly refuses every penny of government funding to remain independent. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. Presidential Records Act. This is very important. You're going to know more than anybody else by the time I'm done. Presidential Records Act. It's an amazing thing. You being here, this show. 6 to 9 p.m. And we have all kinds of sports events, and playoffs and all the rest of it dinner and so forth, and I'll get into these heavy issues and you still show up. That's to your great credit. I'm not hearing very well in my uh, headphones, Mr. Producer, despite my messing around with these, these knobs here. In any event, the Presidential Records Act of 1978, Congress passed this law, and Jimmy Carter signed it into law, because they decided that Presidential records shouldn't belong to a president on the way out the door. That they were too important. This is the first time in history they made this decision. And they applied it in 1981 forward. So it's really only been on the books for a little over 40 years, and it's really only been relevant for the last 40 years or so. They, uh, they made an arrangement with Richard Nixon did the government, and paid him several million dollars for his records, for his papers. But before then, a president could take anything a president wanted to with him or her, including classified information. I want Bill Barr and some of my colleagues, and I don't say this to be rude, I say this to debate them, Andy McCarthy, even Jonathan Turley has been superb. Why is it that no president has been prosecuted for violating the espionage since 1917, despite the fact that there was no Presidential Records Act enforced until 1981 and one didn't pass until 1978? That is, a president taking classified information with them. Why weren't they prosecuted under Section 793E that prohibits, among other things, willfully retaining national defense information and failing to deliver it to a proper official? What happened? It was never viewed applicable to a president. The espionage was never viewed as applicable to a president or a former president, which is why I posted that last week. Let me repeat it so the backbenchers and legal analysts can repeat everything I've been saying, which they're trying to. I said Donald Trump, if he's found guilty of one charge, would spend the rest of his life in prison and die there. I said that on Hannity, and that's been regurgitated. But let me continue with this point. Why is it that no former president 
even before there was a 1978 Presidential Records Act, which took effect in 1981. Why is it that no president from 1971 to 1981 was ever charged with violating the Espionage Act for retaining national defense information? Because it was never imagined, not even dreamed of, that an anti-spy statute would apply to a former president. That's number one. Isn't it interesting you haven't heard that despite all these days of comment on this? And what really kills me is they bring people on with no constitutional background or historic background, whatever. Commentators, analysts who just spew their stupidity. And then they bring lawyers on who have very little constitutional knowledge, who spew their idiocy because they're former federal prosecutors. And then we have constitutional lawyers that come on who don't know what the hell they're talking about. It's amazing. It's amazing. So all of a sudden, they found the Espionage Act, and only Donald Trump, you see, ever took a single sentence of national defense information with him. Never before. Well, how do we know that? We don't. In fact, we can prove the opposite. There are parts of presidential libraries, to my knowledge, all of them, but maybe just some, but to my knowledge, all of them, that are considered off-grounds for the general public. We have to get permission to go into certain parts of the library. And read certain files. What does that mean? How did that happen? Anyway. So this Presidential Records Act is passed in 1978. It goes into effect 1981. It starts being applied to the Reagan administration forward. Now here's some relevant parts of this law that people throw around that you may not be aware of. But I want you to be aware of it. All weekend long. All the yammering going on. You know, I only had 30 minutes. I wish I had two hours. I could have explained it. But here we are on radio, which serves an important purpose. It establishes public ownership of all presidential records and defines the term presidential records for the first time requires that vice presidential records be treated in the same way as presidential records for the first time. Places responsibility for the custody and management of incumbent presidential records. Ready for this one? With the president. Requires that the president and his staff take all practical steps to file personal records separately from presidential records. Remember, the assumption before this was that these records were the property of the, of the outgoing president. Allows the incumbent president to dispose of records and no longer have administrative, historical information and evidentiary value once the views of the archivist of the United States on the proposed disposal has been obtained in writing. That's not relevant here, but what's interesting is even if the archivist disagrees, the president can still destroy them. 
establishes in law that any incumbent president records, whether textual or electronic, held on courtesy storage by the archivist, remain in the exclusive legal custody of the president, and that any request or order for access to such records must be made to the president, not to the National Archives. No wonder Jack the Ripper Smith did not cite the Presidential Records Act in his 49 pages of indictments. It establishes that presidential records automatically transfer into the custody of the archivist as soon as the president leaves office. Establishes a process by which the president may restrict and the public may obtain access to these records after the president leaves office. Specifically, the PRA allows for public access to presidential records through the Freedom of Information Act beginning five years after the end of the administration, which, of course, had not occurred, but allows the president to invoke as many as six specific restrictions to public access for up to 12 years. Codifies the process by which former and incumbent presidents conduct reviews for executive privilege prior to public release of records by the National Archives. Establishes procedures for Congress, courts, and subsequent administrations to obtain, quote-unquote, special access to records from the National Archives that remain closed to the public following a privilege review period for the former and incumbent presidents. You see the control that a former president has over his documents? The procedures governing such special access requests continue to be governed by doesn't matter. Establishes preservation requirements for official business conducted using non-official electronic messaging accounts. Any individual creating presidential records must not use non-official electronic messaging accounts. That would be like Hillary. Unless that individual copies an official account as the message is created or forwards a complete copy of the record to an official messaging account. This is why Hillary Clinton had the private server in her home. For the specific reason of violating the Presidential Records Act and getting around it. Prevents an individual who's been convicted of a crime doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So President Trump has a dispute with the archive. They say, wait a minute, he took a whole bunch of boxes. And they even contain classified information. So what? So what? Well, those records belong to us. Well, the president has a period of time to review those records and make his own determination. That's what it says. But what about classified information? It doesn't say anything about that. Doesn't even make a distinction about it. So how do you square the Presidential Records Act of 1978 with the Espionage Act of 1917? You don't. Because the Espionage Act of 1917 was never intended to apply to a former president. There's nothing, and I looked, nothing in the original legislative record that supports what's being done today, 
There is nothing in any of the amendments that imply this. Nothing. You can't really square the two statutes. And yet one was passed in 1978. And became applicable in 1981. And not a single former president from 1917, again, for the third time. I want the backbenchers to regurgitate this. From 1917 to 1981 has ever been charged. Ever been charged. Under the Espionage Act, period, but under the specific section that is laced throughout the indictment, section 793E, because this is the most muddy exception. It's the one they cling to. That prohibits willfully retaining national defense information and failing to deliver it to the proper official. Now, this further demonstrates to you and should how outrageous it was to get a warrant, how outrageous it was to have an armed FBI SWAT team sent to the president's home in Florida. There still were many years available to have these negotiations about what should and should not be considered presidential or not presidential or whatever. Five years. Five years. But the archives went to the Department of Justice. Probably for the first time ever. And the Department of Justice couldn't wait to sharpen its teeth. Bill Clinton had tapes in his socks drawer when he left the presidency. Those tapes were a aggregate of a number of interviews he did with reporters, I guess, and others about his presidency. And Judicial Watch sued under the Freedom of Information Act and asked Judge Jackson, an Obama appointee in Washington, D.C., who is a horrific judge. Please direct the archives to get those tapes, and we want copies of them. Judge Jackson looked at the Presidential Records Act, not the Espionage Act, the Presidential Records Act. I want to be very, very clear about this. Under the Presidential Records Act, in the first instance, the records are with the president. Unless the president gives them all to the archives. But there's a period of time the president can take to go through the documents and make his own decisions. He's in no hurry to do it. At no time has there ever been a criminal potential that hangs over the president's head. At no time. It assumes that the records, while not personally the president's, are under his control. The responsibility for the custody and management of incumbent presidential records with the president. 
so he has boxes and he moves them around. Well, we had a subpoena for the... Those subpoenas were illegitimate. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Ladies and gentlemen, massive news, which explains almost everything. Senator Grassley was just on the Senate floor, Mr. Producer. Let's hear what he said just moments ago. Go! The 1023 produced to the House Committee's redacted reference that the foreign national who allegedly bribed Joe and Hunter Biden allegedly has audio recordings of his conversation with them. Seventeen such recordings. According to the 1023, the foreign national possesses 15 audio recordings of phone calls between him and Hunter Biden. According to the 1023, The foreign national possesses two audio recordings of phone calls between him and then Vice President Joe Biden. These recordings were allegedly kept as a sort of insurance policy for the foreign national in case that he got into a tight spot. And it goes on, America. Now you know why they didn't want to release the document. Now you know why President Trump was indicted indicted Thursday on bogus charges. I said bogus charges under the Espionage Act. Now you know why. Because they knew the, the fact of the alleged existence of these tapes would come out. Because even though they redacted this information from a non-classified document, to cover up for Joe Biden and the Biden crime family. Somebody and others still knew what was under those redactions. Perhaps it was the original whistleblower. And obviously they've told Chuck Rassley what's been redacted. Explosive information about alleged tapes. You heard them. Fifteen involving Hunter. Two involving Joe. The idea that Joe Biden didn't know that his son was involved in these corrupt businesses is put to the big lie. 
Now you know why Donald Trump was indicted. Like no president in history. Now you know why Bill Barr and the others look like the jackasses that they are. And there's more. The first impeachment of Donald Trump. Stick with me. I'm putting it together. The first impeachment of Donald impeachment of Donald Trump. You and I were scratching our head. Ukraine, for God's sakes. We read the phone call. It wasn't because Trump was tying aid to Ukraine to investigating the Bidens. It was because he asked them to look into the Bidens, having nothing to do with aid to Ukraine. There was no quid pro quo. That's what the Democrats claimed. That's what the phony whistleblower claimed, who had worked for Biden, who had worked in the Obama administration, because the FBI knew. They knew about the allegations that were awaiting Joe Biden. Now it makes sense. Now it makes sense. The first impeachment. These charges. Not just to distract. But to try and do enormous damage. And let me tell you something. If it wasn't Donald Trump. And Ron DeSantis. Were the leading Republican nominee. They'd be doing things to him that would be considered today unthinkable. Absolutely unthinkable. Now you know why the media are all in. Covering up the laptop. No interest whatsoever in that Form 1023. They treated the whistleblower, so-called, in the Ukraine matter, Like a god. Can't even repeat his name, even though it was known. And yet the whistleblower here and the whistleblowers from the FBI and IRS and other matters. There's retribution from the Department of Justice and the Biden administration. The top mob lawyer, the Attorney General of the United States, puts his foot down. Doesn't show his face. Refuses to explain anything. And then they have their willing dupes, Bill Barr and the others. Donald Trump is toast. If even half of these charges are true. And Sununos uses exactly the same words as Bill Barr. What is it, the rhinos are passing around talking points or something? And now Nikki Haley has reversed course. Trashing Donald Trump on the indictment. Completely reverse course. I guess the polling doesn't work. Who knows? Who knows? But to me now, so much of it does make sense. And they know that Trump, should he get elected, will now dig and dig and dig till he finds the truth. They know that if you shoot at the king, as the old saying goes, 
You better not miss. And they've used a Tommy gun against the former president. So far, they've missed. So they bring in a guy from The Hague, a hitman who's been used before. They bring in their hitman from The Hague. He even looks like a hitman. They got two grand juries going. They put out a third in Florida. And I wondered, I wondered, why the indictment on Thursday? They don't even wait till Friday evening when I'm here in place where they usually drop a shoe all the time. Why Thursday? Why Thursday? Because the Republicans on the committee got to see the document. But it was redacted. And now today, on Monday evening, we know what some of the information was that was redacted. So all weekend long, it's Trump, Trump, Trump. All weekend long, it's the press. Trump, 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 Trump. Trying to dumb down the American people. Because they know it's coming. Tape recordings? Alleged tape recordings? Now I ask you, America, I ask you, my fellow citizens, I ask you honestly, how do you not appoint a special counsel now? How do you not appoint a special counsel to find the tapes, to release them to the American people before this election, to look at the shell corporations with tens of millions of dollars Pouring through to the Biden family. Well, you can't prove Joe got any. Listen to the stupidity of the media. And they didn't want to give the wire transfer information. They had to go to the banks to get it. They had to get the transfer information from the banks. They had to threaten Christopher Ray with contempt over a period of months. And even then, Ray didn't give them all the information. He hid the most salient information. The most damning allegations. Tapes. Tapes. Where was Maggie Haberman? Oh, she was on TV trashing Trump. Where was Bill Barr? He was on TV trashing Trump. Every Democrat and rhino and Trump hater on TV. Most of them from D.C. D.C. interviewing D.C. And now we have this. Pretty incredible, don't you think, America? The indictments against Trump are bogus. I don't care how thorough they are. I don't care how long they are. The Presidential Records Act and the Espionage Act simply do not square with each other. Their legislative purposes are completely different. And there are contradictions built in to the Presidential Records Act. This was never intended to be a criminal matter, ever. And these former federal prosecutors and the other losers who come on TV, former Attorney General, all these fat slobs, I don't care when they go on TV. All Trump had to do was give them what they demanded. 
That's not the way the Presidential Records Act works. And it's not supposed to be the way the espionage works against a former president of the United States. So they took it. They took the provision of the Espionage Act, which does not require intent. In effect, they applied strict liability. Strict liability. He has the records. We want them. He won't give them to us. Indict him. They didn't do that to Hillary Clinton. The position of the Department of Justice, not with a former president, with a former secretary of state was, we don't bring those kind of cases. And yet they just did. And how do they not bring one against? And I like the man and I don't want them to. How do they not bring one against? Former Vice President Pence, if it's strict liability. How do they not bring one, despite the issue of whether you can indict a former president? How do they not bring one against Joe Biden? And where is that special counsel? Notice no leaks. And one other thing. One of the lawyers they seek to disbar is Joe Clark, who worked over at the Department of Justice. He's in their target area. They want to take him out. He made a point. Look at the indictment. Look at the 49 pages. Almost word for word is the language the media have been using from a leak, <coughs> a leak about an audio tape from a reporter involving Donald Trump, who they say was talking about information that was classified, where Trump allegedly says, I can't declassify the document, now I'm a former president. And Joe Clark a superb attorney, points out, how the hell is that in the indictment charge? They don't say they got it from the newspaper. They got it from the course of their investigation. Which means the special counsel in the Department of Justice leaked it to the newspaper. They leaked it, which is a federal offense. It's a felony. I said yesterday on Life, Liberty, and Levin, look around you. This is what totalitarianism looks like. Look around you. And the Democrat Party's dragging us into this hell. That's precisely what's taking place. But don't worry, there won't be any talk about the tapes tomorrow. There won't be any headlines across the front pages of the Washington Compost who just rightly fired their CEO, by the way, or the front page of the New York Slimes, or the front page of any of this fish rack crap that they call newspapers. It'll be the arraignment of Donald Trump by the Biden administration as they disgrace us as a nation. Mark Levin. You are listening to the best of Mark Levin. Well, ladies and gentlemen, did you know that Lyndon Baines Johnson 
directed one of his top top aides, Rostow, to take top-secret information involving the Vietnam War and his spying on Nixon through the FBI to take them out of the White House while he was leaving office. Now, we didn't have a Presidential Records Act back then, but we did have an Espionage Act by then. And it wasn't until Johnson died that Rostow made the Lyndon Johnson Library aware of the fact that he had records in an envelope at his home, turned the envelope open over to the Johnson Library under the condition that they not open the envelope for half a century. Now, doesn't that violate the Espionage Act, Mr. Producer? So why wasn't the Espionage Act applied against Lyndon Johnson and his aide, Mr. Rostow? Jimmy Carter in 1981 happened to find one or two classified documents among his papers. Now, he did return them to the National Archives. But the section of the law that... This prosecutor is pointing to has nothing to do with when they were returned. Those are different issues. It's the mishandling of classified information. That's the issue. Jimmy Carter, who literally signed the new Presidential Records Act, was not charged under the Espionage Act. Joe Biden literally stole information out of the Senate skiff. And held on to it for many, many years. For many, many years. Also, as you know, as vice president, he removed documents. Had them at the Penn Biden Center where foreign individuals would come and go routinely because Blinken had his office there too. And he moved his documents. He moved them elsewhere and his multi-million dollar premises, including his Wilmington estate. And there are boxes and boxes and boxes of documents at the University of Delaware, which are only now being searched, but I'm sure they're, they're being slow walked. Under the Espionage Act, why isn't Joe Biden being charged right now? We can debate the issue whether you can charge a president or not. I don't think you can, but under their own theory, why isn't he being charged right now? Doesn't take many weeks to figure this out. Mike Pence. I'm not encouraging this. I'm just pointing it out. I believe he had a couple of documents they found. Now, he didn't destroy them or give them to the enemy or anything like that. But he mishandled them. Why isn't he being charged with a felony? That's the nature of the Espionage Act. Hillary Clinton. We know all about Hillary Clinton, and she was never even charged with obstruction. In fact, they never even investigated whether she committed perjury, false states, or obstruction, which she clearly did. Donald Trump's not being accused of destroying anything. Destroying anything. Donald Trump's not being accused of altering anything. 
Hillary Clinton did it over and over and over again, as did her staff. How come she wasn't charged and didn't go to prison for 400 years? And uh, Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez was known to be reading sensitive material, (laughs) including classified material, on his way back and forth from his home and his vehicle. That's a violation of the Espionage Act. Why wasn't he charged with a felony? I've asked repeatedly about Bill Barr since he presents himself as an expert on this topic. He was Attorney General not once but twice. And the question is whether he did the same. And whether he's willing to swear to it. Because if he did the same, and I don't know that he did, if he did, he's also guilty of felonies. And as I said last night, from 1917 when this act was passed, until today, not a single president has been charged with violating the Espionage Act. Not a single vice president has been charged with violating the Espionage Act. How many cabinet secretaries have been charged? Now the archivists, that is the archives, they were asked, well, what is this situation with the mishandling of classified information? They said it's been a problem, as reported by Uh, What is this? Sorry, bear with me. As reported by, well, it was either a, yeah, supported by the Associated Depressed. They said it's been a problem off and on for decades, from presidents to cabinet members. Oh, really? And uh, administrations stretching as far back as Jimmy Carter. And so they asked, would you provide a list of those officials? Because the list is rather extensive, apparently. They said no. They would not. Even though there's clear policies, they said. So enormous number of people have violated the Espionage Act and not been charged. This is separate and apart from the issue of obstruction. Now a, uh, an individual you're quite familiar with, he writes at National Review, he's on Fox, Andy McCarthy, former federal prosecutor, of which there are many, I didn't hear it myself, but Jessica Tarloff, I can't imagine that she would misquote Annie McCarthy. She said Annie McCarthy announced today, he declared today, that um, the Federal Records Act, I think he was referring to, covers documents and material from the bureaucracy. The Presidential Records Act does not. So these people who keep bringing up the, Fe- the Presidential Records Act don't know what they're talking about. I don't know if McCarthy came up with that on his own or his good friend, the former head of OLC, or I don't know. But it's not particularly... Let me put it this way. It's completely false. 
The issue is not who created the document. The issue is who possesses the document. Donald Trump didn't create classified information and say, hey, I've created classified information. Give me the folders so I can put top secret on it. In fact, the information that's at, at the issue here was not created by Donald Trump. Certainly not for the most part. It's created by defense agencies, intelligence agencies, maybe the Department of Justice, who knows? Like the vast majority of classified information is created by the bureaucracy. So the Federal (coughs) Records Act, or the equivalent, applies to the bureaucracy. The Presidential Records Act applies to the president. In fact, it was specifically passed to apply to a president, and in this case also a vice president. So if a document is created as an example by the CIA and it's sent over to President Biden, the CIA has an obligation under the Espionage Act to keep it confidential. The CIA has an obligation under the Federal Records Act to ensure that nobody takes it home as well. It's it's a government document under the Federal Records Act. But that same document can be a document at the White House and say Biden takes it with him when he retires, hopefully sooner than later. And that document would be covered by the Presidential Records Act. His copy of it, for sure. So it's not as McCarthy says, it's not that simple. The information in the document can be covered by both. Or neither. Depends on the document. That said, he also said the other day that there are individuals who've been charged under the Espionage Act, and we believe in a nation of laws, and the president's no different. But the president is different. Under the Constitution, he is the executive branch. Under the Constitution, he is the commander-in-chief. Hence, there's no disputing that he has the power to classify and declassify while he's president. No less than the U.S. Supreme Court has said so. Which makes sense, since all these other entities aren't even in the Constitution because they didn't exist at the time. That said, the Presidential Records Act was created for whom, Mr. Producer? The president. And it covers the vice president by statute as well. So that law clearly applies to the president, and it doesn't apply to General Ernie Grabatsky. And it doesn't apply to Colonel Ernie Grabatsky. And it doesn't apply to Assistant U.S. Attorney Ernie Grabatsky. In other words, it applies to the president and the vice president only. Passed in 1978. And it began to be enforced 1981. Now, what do you do when these laws contradict each other or when these laws don't answer questions? That might be a little bit more complicated. What do you do then? Do you indict the president? That is the former president? So questions of first impression go in front of a federal criminal jury, a trial jury. So questions of first impression are to be resolved 
in the determination of whether a former president, and in this case even more, an individual who is the leading Republican potential nominee against the administration that's prosecuting him, so it's resolved in a court? And if you lose, you go to prison? Is that how we resolve these matters? Now, the federal government had no indication whatsoever that any documents were being destroyed, that any documents were being altered, that any documents were being shared with the enemy. So they load up their indictment with pictures of where the documents are stored. Where they're stored. They say they're not stored properly. Then how do they not indict Joe Biden this minute? Mike Pence this minute. Why didn't they look into that when it came to Hillary Clinton? In terms of charging her. Or the others. In fact, they keep bringing up obstruction. And then they tell us not to look at Hillary Clinton. Why? It's the same bureaucracy. It's the FBI and Department of Justice. Why? Her obstruction. She destroyed documents. She destroyed emails. She destroyed classified information. We're not sure exactly everything she destroyed. She destroyed so much. She destroyed her cell phones. She had her staff use their hammers. There was no grand jury. There was no SWAT team. There was nothing. Obstruction wasn't even considered. Neither was perjury or false statements. Why? Why shouldn't we look at that? Of course we should. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. As the days go on, we learn more and more and more about how our shadow government operates. And as I dig out more and more, and other people send me things over the transom, I want to share them with you because I really believe here at Radio Free America that it's very important that you be armed with this information because it's your country. It's your liberty at stake. And my buddy Joel Pollack fired this one off to me. It's very, very important. It's from the New York Slimes. Dated January 27. By my calculation, that's almost six months ago. And I want to share this with you. It was written by Michael D. Shear. Ready? The National Archives and Records Administration this week, again six months ago, delivered a gentle request to representatives of former presidents and vice presidents. Could you please check again to see if you have any classified documents laying around? Wow. Asking nicely is about all they can do. Legal experts said that Officials at the archives do not have any independent ability to enforce that request or to require that the country's former leaders 
conduct searches of the materials they still have in their possession. That is a killer paragraph. Even the New York Times is writing it. This is something I explained on Hannity last night. This is something I explained on Life, Liberty, and Levin last Sunday. This is something I explained on Fox again last week. This is something I've explained behind this microphone almost on a daily basis. Enforcement of laws governing presidential records and classified documents is up to the Justice Department, which has opened investigations into the actions of President Biden and former President Trump, who have each discovered classified records at their homes. Officials at the department have not commented on whether they plan to open an investigation into former Vice President Pence, this is an old article. Officials at the Justice Department declined to comment about enforcement authority. Yeah, they leaked that stuff. A spokesperson for the archivists declined to comment. William Bosanko, B-O-S-A-N-K-O, Bosanko, the chief operating officer at the archives, wrote to representatives of the former presidents and vice presidents, urging them to look again in light of the discoveries made by Mr. Trump, Mr. Biden, and Mr. Pence. We request that you conduct an assessment of any materials to determine whether bodies of materials previously assumed to be personal in nature might inadvertently contain presidential or vice presidential records. The head of the archive said in his request, which cover both classified and unclassified materials, but so far the letter does not appear to have yielded any significant new actions. Freddie Ford, Freddie Ford, chief of staff for former President George W. Bush, provided a response on Friday. Thank you for your note. Mr. Ford said he wrote to the archives, we understand its purpose and remain confident that no such materials are in our possession. But Freddie did not, did not search again. National Archives is the legal authority to collect and maintain government records under the Presidential Records Act and other federal laws, which lay out what documents must be preserved for history. In 1978, Congress passed the act to clarify the documents created and used, used by a president in a White House. Got that, Andy McCarthy? Created and used by a uh, White House, White House officials, are the property of the federal government, not of the person who occupies the Oval Office. The law applied to all presidents following Jimmy Carter, but people who have studied the handling of government documents say that there's little in the law that provides the archives the power to require compliance. If there are violations of law, they can be referred to the Justice Department for action, said Stephen Aftergood, a specialist on government secrecy for the Federation of American Scientists, but NARA itself has no police force or ability to enforce its own actions. Mr. Aftergood said that officials in the archives must rely on what he called some degree of moral force to back up their request to the former officials, quote, the Presidential Records Act and the whole archival system depends on good faith, he said, Lacking good faith, the system is going to break down. Which brings up the question then. How did the Department of Justice get involved? That is, how did the Department of Injustice get involved? 
Well, we think we've figured that out here. Let's see here. President Biden had his White House Deputy Counsel, Jonathan Sue S.U., waive President Trump's claim of pre- executive privilege, leading to the unprecedented raid in August and resulting indictment now. This is according to Mike Davis, who tweeted this information out. We've talked about this before. When Joe Biden says he had no role in this, he's a liar. But Joe Biden has lived by the lie, the big lie, little lies, all kinds of lies. Let me repeat this. Joe Biden's White House counsel, Joe Biden had his White House counsel, deputy counsel, Jonathan Sue, S.U., waive President Trump's claim of executive privilege. In other words, Joe Biden said, uh, excuse me, even though Trump is asserting executive privilege on behalf of the presidency, as a former president, but on behalf of the presidency, uh, we're withdrawing his, his, uh, his, or, his motion with the court, and we waive executive privilege. So they waived it, leading to the unprecedented raid in August and resulting in this indictment. Biden's Attorney General Merrick Garland personally approved the Trump indictment, as he had to. So the White House and the Department of Justice have been involved in this since day one. And they didn't even follow their stated practices when it comes to charging. Even under the Espionage Act. Now, as I've explained also, and explained again last night on Hannity, the Espionage Act is the wrong law. It's the Presidential Records Act. That's the law. That's why no president or former president, I should say, was violated. This so-called Espionage Act has never been charged because violating the so-called Espionage Act isn't something that applies, certainly in this regard, to a former president. It didn't apply to LBJ when he ordered top-secret information related to Vietnam and the FBI tapping into Richard Nixon's phone in 1968 when he ordered it removed by his aide, Rostow. Rostow kept it for Johnson. Nobody knew about it. It was kept in secrecy. And then Johnson had told him upon his death to give it to the Johnson Library, where they're supposed to keep it secret for half a century. So they made all that stuff up. But Mark, there wasn't a Presidential Records Act. No, there wasn't. But there was an Espionage Act. And he wasn't charged under the Espionage Act because it did not apply. That's why. When it came to Hillary Clinton... The Espionage Act did apply because there is no Presidential Records Act covering former secretaries of state. She wasn't a president and she wasn't a vice president. So she's no different from that colonel or that general or anybody else who quote unquote mishandles classified information or refuses to turn it over. Moreover, she's covered by the Federal Records Act, which I don't need to get into here. Now, the lawyers on TV are confusing laws. They're confounding the viewers and the listeners. 
The former Attorney General Bill Barr is an absolute illiterate when it comes to this stuff. The Presidential Records Act doesn't turn into the Espionage Act investigation. It never has. If you believe a president has information or a vice president has information, and you believe that that information should be the possession of the federal government, if you take that position, if you take that position, the Presidential Records Act does not provide for the criminalization of that issue. Period. And even without it, no president has been charged before, former president or vice president. Well, it's because they carefully handed... No, they didn't! I just read you an article in which they've now asked the libraries of former presidents and vice presidents, please search your records. Moreover, we know Johnson didn't. He purposely secreted top-secret information... We know Bill Clinton purposely secreted top-secret information. At no time did anybody suggest that Bill Clinton should be charged under the Espionage Act. Not once I've looked. Why? Because it didn't apply. Now let's look at the history of this clown prosecutor. This guy, Jack Smith. Jack Smith tried to turn a bribery law into something broader than it was when he was head of the public integrity section of the criminal division of the Department of Justice under Eric Holder, under Barack Obama. And he convinced a federal district judge, and it was appealed, and they convinced the appellate court. Then it was appealed again to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the eight justices of the nine who heard it. They said, what the hell is this? You can't accuse a governor who simply has a meeting or suggests that there be a meeting with a quid pro quo for benefits given to his wife. That's not what the bribery statute says. You've taken two words and you've stretched their meaning. Eight to zero, they overruled. That's Jack Smith. Same Jack Smith, as I've said. Now the backbenches are regurgitating, and that's a good thing. The same Jack Smith. He rolls into North Carolina. Again, the head of the public integrity section, which means he signs off on a number of these things. And there's Sean Edwards with his pregnant girlfriend. He's humiliated. It's also a slime ball, but nonetheless. And his wife has cancer. Elizabeth Edwards, who's no longer with us. So he wants to hide it. He puts her up in an apartment, but he doesn't have money to do it himself. So they ask donors, can you please give us some money to do this? 
and they do. Jack Smith has an idea. That's an illegal campaign contribution, both in the amount and the failure to report it. Everybody's going, what the hell is he talking about? Because it helped contribute a positive message to his campaign. The jury heard five felony counts, not guilty on one, and a hung jury on four. And the Department of Justice decided not to take it up again. Why? Because Jack Smith stretched the law again. What has Jack Smith done here? I don't care what any damn judge rules. I know the law. Jack Smith took a law that does not apply and has never applied to a president or vice president under these circumstances or any other. And he applied it against Trump. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. Barack Melhouse Benito Obama, who's now using tax loopholes he used to rail against, like the missus, she was selling sugary juice drinks to little kids that she used to rail against, but really with these two, it's anything for a dollar, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Anything. They're worth hundreds of millions of dollars, but it's not enough. It's not enough for these two Marxists. It's what they are. Excuse you. But he's on some podcast. There's like a billion podcasts out there. Have you noticed? Anyway, he's on some podcast and he decides to comment about Tim Scott. He's asked about Tim Scott. They're both black men, obviously, and Tim Scott's a conservative and Obama's a Marxist. There's a big difference between the two. And so he has a warning for Tim Scott, uh, being the egomaniac that Obama always has been. Cut 21, go. If a Republican who may even be sincere in saying, I want us all to live together, doesn't have a plan. Hold on, stop there. If a Republican may even be sincere that he wants us all to live together. Now, Biden mostly lives in lily white neighborhoods. And he lives in neighborhoods mostly that the average person can't afford white, black, brown or in between. And he grew up in a white neighborhood in Hawaii. So he sounds like he's really down for the, you know, revolution. And he's more like up for the uh, these communities. Reminds me a little bit of LeBron James, quite frankly. These are revolutionaries who do not live in the streets. They live in paradises. And the whiter the neighborhood, the better, as far as they're concerned. To me, you know what I look for? Solitude. I don't want to be around anybody. White, black, brown, whatever. I don't even want to be around nature. What do you think of that, Mr. Producer? I don't mind looking at it. I just don't want to be in. People, hey, you want to take a hike? I'm like, what are you, out of your mind? Hey, hey, you want to go on a boat? No. I get nauseous on a boat. Besides, do I look like a fish? No. Anyway, it's a whole other story. So the neighborhood I'm looking for, really, honestly, Mr. Producer, is no neighborhood. 
No neighborhood. Now, all that said, Barack Bellhouse Benito Obama talks the talk, and man, he never stops. He is one big carbon dioxide emitter. Let's start from the top. Cut 21, go. If a Republican who may even be sincere in saying, Mm -hmm. I want us all to live together, doesn't have a plan for how do we address crippling generational poverty that is a consequence of hundreds of years of racism in the society. And we All right, stop. I address this in the upcoming bestseller. Yes, it's all due to hundreds of years of racism, ladies and gentlemen. And the answer, of course, is 150 years, almost 200 years of Marxism. That'll fix it. Now you have... You have countries, you have countries and where the vast majority of the population is black. And there's some of the poorest countries on the face of the earth. Is that due to hundreds of years of racism? You have countries where the vast majority of the people are brown. Is that due to hundreds of years of racism? Some of the poorest parts of America in Appalachia and so forth, are mostly white. Is that due to hundreds of years of racism? So this guy is a racialist. He is a race baiter. That's all he knows. As he hangs around white people. And gets rich. And these billionaires who like being with Obama. And Michelle. Hundreds of years of racism. That's the reason. That's the reason we have poverty. Not fatherless homes. And by the way, I'm not saying every home that's fatherless, the children turn out to be criminals and so forth. I know that not to be the case, but if you have a two-parent household, the chances are significantly better that the children will be raised better. Obama posed school choice. That's a big way to Improve communities, improve families, improve education, and get out of poverty. Obama opposes capitalism, except his own capitalism, where he and the missus have become extremely wealthy for doing nothing, literally nothing. And they will not let a single business opportunity pass. Like I said, the sugary fruit juices for children that... Michelle supported. By the way, it went broke so that she, where they pulled her out already. She wasn't even embarrassed. I'm sure that an organic garden at the White House that she built. Yeah. <laughs> well, you get the point. I'm sure Dr. Jill is tending to it properly. Oh, yeah. These are all frauds and phonies who are destroying the country, destroying our culture, destroying our, our neighborhoods. Biden, Obama. All these radical left-wing kooks. Go ahead. About that. If that uh-huh. candidate is not willing oh to acknowledge God. that, you know, yes. again and again we've seen discrimination in everything from job practice, uh, you know, getting a job to 
buying a house to okay stop what are you talking about what exactly are you talking where are you talking about who are you talking about enough with the generalizations what are you talking about we got people pouring over our border from africa from central south america from the caribbean also from the middle east from china russia other parts of Eastern Europe pouring into this country from every corner of the globe. So what is he talking about? He's an idiot. Did he say that? Yes, I did. He's an idiot. Obama is an idiot. He's so... He, th- he thinks everything he says is so important. He thinks it through and then he hangs on his own syllables. Have you noticed? Go ahead operates and and so that somebody who does the exact same offense the kind of sentencing the likelihood that they do jail time is going to be different what are you talking about again you know this guy is really schizophrenic on the one hand just to show his street cred he hates the country trashes the country on the other hand, he can't get enough of the yachts. He can't get enough of the Hollywood billionaires and millionaires. He can't get enough of the gated communities in Washington, D.C., and so forth and so on. I believe he's on Martha's Vineyard, too, which has like a, uh, a 2% black population. I think when he and the family moved there, they doubled the uh, black population. But you get my point. You won't find him in... Camden, New Jersey, that city that I grew up next to. Newark, New Jersey. East Palo Alto. East St. Louis. You won't find him in these places. He wouldn't be caught in those places no matter what. And then he talks like this. This is all addressed because I'm sick of it. And I could have written this for him. We've heard it so many times. And so it's the system you see that keeps progress back. It's the system that stands in the way of the people. It's like no progress has ever made. No laws have ever been changed. No wars have ever been fought. No, no, no. no. Nothing's changed. This guy was president of the United States. What did he do for the people of America? Nothing. I'll be honest, what did he do for the black community? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. He's an ideologue. He lives high while he pushes Marxism. And by the way, that's typical of these Marxists. They live one way and they inspect the rest of us to live another. Mostly in servitude to them. If he really cared about education in poor communities, he'd support school choice. There's a lot of black people who do. He's not one of them. He'd support more cops in the most violent areas of our cities, but he doesn't. He'd support long sentences for recidivists who kill people, who rape people, who rob stores and the stores shutter. But he doesn't. He just supports redistribution of wealth, 
talking about 200 years ago. Same thing, day in and day out. He might as well be Bernie Sanders. It doesn't matter. It's the same ideology.